Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay. Hi. Hi. We're, roll- we're rolling. I know. I love your nails, by the way. Oh, thanks. They're, they're kind of fun and different. Mine are like um, a fun quarantine edition, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> I like to call it the all natural. Like, <laughs> a nice oh, French, all the be basic French. Right now. <laughs> Dude, honestly, I feel like we can blame anything on quarantine. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's the cure all, it's the go to thing. Mm Okay, should we introduce you? Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, for all of those who don't know me, I'm Lisa Gilmore's little, um, <laughs> want to say her prized possession. Um, I'm Nata, I go by, or my full name is Natalia Alvarez, um, and yeah, so like, that's me, I'm from Miami, um, and I currently am studying to get my MSW and psychology degree at Columbia University, um, Casual, casual, casual. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I met Lisa at American about, like, five, six years ago. Okay, time. whoa, 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 whoa. What are you drinking, first of all? I'm drinking right now a nice Sancerre. Um, is that, like, that? that's fancy. I don't know what that is. Is that, it's like, a like a Sauvignon Blanc, but, like, a little bit different. Um, I don't know much about Love grape it. leaves and grapes. And the vines and the process, <laughs> but I just know that it's a sancer. <laughs> oh, this, this is gonna be fun. Okay. <laughs> so Natalia's had a few drinks. I'm so jealous. I've only had. I, this is my third coffee of the day, so I'm like fucking wired. We're on different wavelengths. We're on different wavelengths. That's so okay. We're gonna meet in the middle. Um. Okay. So we met in college. You said you're my little, and mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't know, that's we met in a sorority. So mm-hmm. basically. In a sorority, you have, like, a big, who's, like, your big sister, and then you have a little... Well, you don't have to have a little, right? No, you don't, you don't have, have to. to take one, but, like, the normal, like, routine thing is, like, your second year or third yeah. year, you take a little. Yeah. Yeah. So, she's my daughter. Um, That's me. And... Right the birth canal. Um, <laughs> how did we... Do you remember... Do you remember... I remember when we... Oh, my God. Do you remember when we met? Oh, but we didn't like each I other? Forget we hated each other. This oh bitch didn't want me. I don't know how. I was so incredible. She need, Not only did she not want me as her little, because you don't pick that at that point yet, but she didn't want me in her damn sorority. No, she, she was okay. trying to wait, vote wait, me wait. out. But, like, <laughs> when she would have missed out on, like, she would have missed out on, like, 2015's, like, biggest blessing. Like. Oh, my God. I'm dying. Okay. I, I, I swear. I haven't thought about this in so long. But, so, in your defense, you were so, so, so sick. Look, I'm one, I'm not much like, I guess I am a people person, but I don't like, um, like you're, a small, you're totally a small, you're a talk. people person. Right. But like, that's when you talk to me and I feel like I can laugh and vibe, but like small talk, like, where are you from? Love you. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, so is not my vibe. I clam up. But yeah, I was so sick that I was hospitalized 
the day of rush, which is when you get into the sorority. Like, I left mm-hmm. rush early to go vomit in a trash can on our quad and, like, slept in my dorm bedroom because, like, I couldn't make it to a hospital. And the next morning, my, like, roommate had to take me to the emergency room and I was, like, hospitalized all day. So... I met Lisa, like, fever was raging, I was having cold sweats, it was hot in the room, I was, like, sweating, my makeup was coming off, like, I wanted to die, I felt like somebody had just lit me on fire, my throat was hurting, I could barely speak, like, I was, like, forcing out a hoarse voice. I had no idea, because you looked impeccable, like, you, you all, I mean, you just looked like you were dressed, like, you just looked so perfect, you know what I mean? So I had no clue you were feeling bad, there were, like, no... Lots there were no mascara. visible signs. There were no visible signs that you were sick. Right. So, just, yeah. So when we talked, I was like, oh, you know, like, we just, like, did not buy did not whatsoever. So Lisa, I think, was, like, my second or third person. Like, when you're going through a recruitment, like, I don't want to go too much into that. But if you're going through a recruitment, you talk to, like, five people in one sorority house a day just to get, like, a general vibe. And, like, yeah. have people, like, see who you connect with. Lisa was, like, my third person in, and I was running low on energy at that point. Like, I didn't know what I was going to do. And so Lisa shows up, and she was like, oh, I've, like, lived in Miami at one point, and I've done this. I was like, great. You, so you know what this is like. Like, we don't have to, like, shit. Like, we don't have to talk. Like, we could just, like, sit there in silence, give the classic, like, bitch face, and, like, smile at each other. Right. I was... And she did like not was... get that. Like, she was not down. No. She was like, I want to, like, test the waters. And I was like, I tried so hard... And then she starts talking to me about tennis because she loves tennis. And, like, I know that now and I love her. But at the time, I'm, like, I'm, like, physical activity is a no for me. So at the time, like, for her to try and bring out tennis right out of the back, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, I don't even go walk around my block to walk my dogs. Like, I put them in the yard. So, like, she was trying to bond with me over tennis. Like, like, my best friend actually went to undergrad for tennis on a scholarship. And, like, that's the only thing I know about tennis is that she plays tennis. (laughs) So like do they score I'm, points? I don't know. I'm a I'm such a friendly person. Like I really am. I like to think. You know what I mean? No, like I'm super a pretty hard. friendly person. Yeah. And so I was trying so hard to like converse and like get things out of you and you weren't giving me much to work with, you know? I know, so which is so I had to just me. like because usually when somebody so shows like interest in me, I eat that shit up. I'm like, okay. But wait, and so so then I remember after well actually I don't know if we can like get can we get into like the specifics of voting and shit? I don't know. The point know, is people there are a lot of girls that were like, Oh my god, I, I I love Natalia, I love Natalia and I was like, Really? Like I just like did not get that vibe. Like I felt like she didn't want to be here, like whatever. Point is, let's fast forward. The point is you joined and then after that, like I I don't know, I'm pretty sure I was just like, Hi, like welcome, you know, when you welcome right, all yeah. the new girls. And that's it. And then when it when it came down when it came down to like you know me getting or my pledge class we were getting littles and stuff and so it's kind of like dating like you're literally like yeah, hunting girls dates. yeah and you're trying to like sed- like world. seduce them yeah and so and honestly i was just trying to like get to know girls because there's so many you know there's, there's so, so many. many it's so overwhelming so yeah and then i remember so we we had a double date it was me amal who's another one of yeah, my best and friends then Remy, oh, we went to zaitinia yeah so good and then i remember after that dinner i was like oh my gosh she's so you were one like you were another human like i was you yourself again yeah <laughs> anyway the point is that we after no we, we hit it before, off after, i was talking about after that and... dinner no after after that dinner we have probably texted every single day yeah it was like that dinner since. i texted you saying thank you i think or like after you dropped me off or whatever and then we were yeah. texting the whole time because because i'm a very like weirdly 
not sexual, but, like, I have no boundaries. So, like, I'll talk about nudity yeah, and either. stuff like that. Yeah. So, at that dinner, I was telling Lisa how I want a boob job eventually. She was hyping me up that I didn't need one, but, like, sure, go for it. And then I told her that Remy, because she was in art class, was, like, painting me. And, like, I only let her paint me if she paints me nude. So, Lisa was like, I need to see this paint. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, then we just started texting the whole time. And we, like, I don't know, the magic happened. The magic happened. Anyway, so... Yeah, um, we've just been best friends for what? How how many like years? Five now? or six years. Like I graduated like two years ago. So like yeah, like six years. Two thousand fourteen or two thousand twenty. I met you. When, I met you when I was twenty two. Wow, I met you when I was nineteen. So that's five years. Yeah, five years. Five years. Holy that's shit! A that's long crazy. Time. Okay. Anyway, so, um, so actually, lo- so there's so many. Okay. One of the reasons why I love you, one of the many reasons oh, why I love you is because you're more. one of the pe- one, one of those people <laughs> You're one of those people for me that I can talk to you about fucking anything and we'll just like go there. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing I just know that there's nothing I can't tell you and I don't feel like that with everyone in my life yeah. because cert- certain subjects like some people just don't know what to say yeah, or like totally. you know, I don't know, so like even I think that's even why if you really clung to each other so much. Yeah, and even if you don't I, I don't know, maybe if you've necess- if you haven't necessarily been through something that I'm telling you about, like you always find the words. Mm-hmm. So anywho, yeah, same. Um, I feel like you're a very so relatable many... human and you're like very easy to give love back to and like even if you don't know what you're giving love back to, like you know how to show enough care or enthusiasm to like listen along, even if like you've never been through it. And like I think that's why we really vibed where we both were able to like yeah make an effort equally to like connect with each other on different areas of our lives yeah. where a lot of people have limitations and they, they can't meet you in that way even if they want to yeah and so I think that's yeah. like it was like a very special friendship once like it like bloomed because it was like we were able mm-hmm. to meet each other on those wavelengths even if like we were like had our heads in our asses you know totally and also like I when I think about it now like in retro in retrospect like I just feel like you're you've always been like wiser what's the like wiser beyond your years you know what I mean like even when we first met and you were 19 like we would still have these deep fucking ass which I'm not saying I'm not saying that age is equivalent to like your anything the older you get the more knowledge you have yeah but but I never felt you know when you're like in your 20s and 19 and 20 21 22 like you can kind of feel the difference Mm -hmm. in like the age like you feel those gaps but like with you like it just I never did anyway so there's so many ways that we can take this conversation and I'm, you know, we'll see where it goes, mm-hmm. but I thought we could start off by, we were having a really good conversation last night, which I wish we could have like recorded, yeah, but like also no, combo. because we were, we were spilling some tea, yeah, so like we can't, any names. Like, <laughs> we were, <laughs> we were talking about, um, just like friendships and, um, so I felt like we could kick off this conversation yeah. by kind of continuing the one that we were having last night and I'd love to hear your thoughts, which I already know a little bit, but like share your thoughts on you know friendships after college and how it's okay because I don't think people like talk about this enough Mm -hmm. that it's okay if like some of those friendships like drift and you know maintaining those friendships and sustaining friendships especially when people are like moving all over the like you know you're you're all going to different cities you're Mm -hmm. all like moving around and just how basically it's okay if like some of these friendships change or they don't change or just like I don't know any thoughts you have about that yeah I have a lot of thoughts on that um I think well I think when you're in college you're kind of in a vacuum 
you know, where it's like the people you're hanging out with in your sorority or even if you're not in Greek life, but just like your roommates or your friends who you've made your group, your classmates, whoever it may be. Um, it's kind of like a vacuum. You have each other and that's your focus group. Even if you have friends from home or family members or friends in other universities, you know, whoever your core group is, when you're in a university and you're not like commuting and you're like nearby the area, it is so easy to maintain that very close, constantly talking mm-hmm. vibe where you're either always texting or you're always on the phone FaceTiming or you're like drunk together or you're out together or you're on the quad together yeah. or you're in every class together it's so easy and I think that's like a beautiful thing and I love that but once you graduate it's a little different it kind of goes back in my eyes to like high school vibes of friendship where you're like but even more different because you're not going to school with them in high school anymore you know but like it's kind of like the thing that you have to work at like you have to make plans on the weekends to see and it's not like Monday through Friday you can like meet up when you want because it's like you know in high school you live with your parents right so it's very like it goes back to this kind of like there's a few walls and you have to like learn how to break them down or like make it work for your friendship and it sometimes works for the better and then other times you know you drift um and I think in college it's more difficult to spot out the friendships that really drain on you and like I don't want to say toxic because some of those friendships that drain on you not necessarily are toxic like they're not bad people with bad intentions or anything like that but it's like you don't realize how much energy you're expending and not getting back Mm -hmm. because you're laughing and you're with groups of people and you're in person and it's a different dynamic versus when you're trying to maintain that same friendship over the phone especially if you don't live in the same state all the time it's very difficult to put that much time into a facetime all the time or a text or a phone call and it gets a little exhausting and for me it would give me a lot of anxiety um because I didn't know I have this guilt complex where I don't like to be a bad friend and I don't like to never be there for somebody in any capacity whether it's picking out a shoe or like you know, a relative has passed yeah. away or like depression or eating disorders, anything like that. Like the yeah. smallest thing, like even if I'm like canceling a coffee date, you know, or I can't put gas in their car for them, which isn't my responsibility. You know, like I get this guilt complex where I then blame myself. I'm like, oh my God, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. So for me, those kind of like friendships when I left undergrad really took a toll on me because I was like, what do I do now? Like, I don't have enough time for this. I'm being pulled apart in different directions. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard, especially when you feel like it's all or nothing. And yeah, so I think the really key element of a good friendship is understanding and people being able to sit there and like understand that like you're at work from nine to five or whatever you're doing in your life. And that, like, you're not just not talking to them the way you used to because you don't want to, but because you have different responsibilities and learning how to, like, blend your schedules, whether it's virtual or, like, in the same city. um, Totally. In a way that you guys can fit into each other's lives in a different part. Like, you're in a, like, it's a different puzzle piece now, you know? Yeah. And I, I feel like, so I agree with everything you said, but, um... I also feel like I have two thoughts from this, and one of them is, you know, like you said, it's so easy to maintain so many friendships 
in whether it's high school or college when you're seeing these people all the time and it's you know you you guys all live in the same mm-hmm. building or you live walking distance or whatever it may be or there are all these events like it's so easy to meet people that way it's so easy to maintain these friendships and so after you know if you're in the situation where we were where we you know we went to school in dc we both moved mm-hmm. to different places and then all of our friends you know all my friends moved different places um, and obviously it's a priority t- to keep up with as many of your close friends as you possibly can, you know, for sure. And when a friendship, bec- when a friendship is, when a friendship go becomes a long distance relationship, basically, obviously there's like, you need to invest in it and you need mm-hmm. to like pour into it to make it grow. It's a major investment. Yeah. <clears throat> like totally, totally. But also I feel like, I feel like two things that I've learned in the, in the last few years is. And I'm not saying that friendships are easy because they do require a lot of Mm -hmm. work. They require so much work, you know, but I do feel like at the end of the day, they should feel natural. You know what I mean? Like they shouldn't feel like you have to like, I don't know how to say it without it coming across the wrong way, but I just feel like when it feels like it's like you have to put in so much work Mm -hmm. in to keep it alive. Like that's where I feel like you have to kind of take a step back and like evaluate and be like, Okay, oh, like there's absolutely. something that's like not clicking here because it, yes, it, it requires work. It's not easy, but does it require this much where we're where it's like it almost feels impossible to maintain? Oh, absolutely. You know. So I think when you leave college, at least in my experience, like you don't necessarily consciously take inventory of your friendships because it's not something you sit down and you know make a list and say like yeah, Lisa yeah. Gilmore check or like you know like Zoe Sage <laughs> or Christy Garcia or like you know like it's not something that you like check off your names but yeah it's one of those things where like when you're talking to your friends from at least like friends from college like I think friends from home is a little different because you've navigated the distance if you've gone to different states or like Before, different colleges yeah. but at least yeah. friends from college like when you start to separate and go your own way um and go to your hometowns or wherever you you know get a job or next school or your life next like life path is and you transition more to virtual texting or like facetiming and phone calls it's a very different kind of reality and it opens your eyes in different ways so like you and I have always been very close and like we've always gotten each other but even you and I had like a spout of growing pains of like adjustment you know and it wasn't that it was like too much work where you wanted to let go but it was like okay we need to know what works for us and what doesn't and then we adjusted accordingly and like you know now we're perfect and like we were always good like we neither of us ever wanted to like fight or not be friends and I think it's because we have very much the same view on friendships and communication that like if you felt some way you told me and if I felt some way I told you and then we would just adjust but other people aren't as communicative and don't have the same kind of communication love language like expressing style that you and I have where they feel comfortable voicing that opinion. So in that adjustment, it's difficult. And then that from that comes anxiety and pressure and tension and just feeling like, am I always doing something wrong? Am I always letting this person down? Is it my fault? And is what they're saying valid? You know, because I don't like to invalidate people's feelings, but sometimes people expect too much without realizing that expectation. Right. So, yeah. I also feel like something, my second point to, to, to that was that I've only realized this, you know, I think in the last year and something that I've just had to accept and be okay with is that sometimes 
friendships drift mm-hmm. and there's not a huge blowout that happens. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's no explanation. Like sometimes, you know, sometimes we go through different seasons in life mm-hmm. where maybe we're like a little bit closer to one person or then mm-hmm. maybe we're a little bit closer to this person because we're relating on a certain mm-hmm. subject or whatever it may be. And maybe those two people are still close to you right now. But I think I've had to accept that sometimes friendships drift and there's it, there's sometimes no answer. Yeah. And it's hard for me because I try to find an answer for absolutely everything in life. Same. Um, and I've had to remind myself, like, you know, I feel like we're always going to have those, like, ride or die friends, mm-hmm. which I'm so fucking grateful for. Yeah. But there are certain friendships that, like, you know... It's okay if, like, things drifted for no reason. Like, sometimes people just, like... I feel like sometimes you not necessarily outgrow people, but, like, you guys outgrow each other or maybe you outgrew the friendship or, like, whatever it may Mm -hmm. be. And I think that it's okay. And I feel like I wish somebody would have told me that because I guess it's so easy to, like, blame yourself Mm -hmm. um, for, like, certain friendships not working. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going Nobody ever tells you... And, like, I guess you hear it sometimes when you're older from, like, your mom or your parents or, like, an older sibling sometimes, if you're lucky, um, who will tell you, like, you need a few good friends, not a lot of what, like, shitty friends or, like, you know, quality over quantity. And that's not to say that the people who you met in undergrad and who you were very close to aren't quality, but there's different ways that you click and vibe. And people in your life always serve a different purpose and you serve a different purpose in theirs whether it's to get through one thing together and you got them through that and they wouldn't have been able to get through it without you or vice versa you wouldn't have been able to get through it without them or you know they're there for the long-term season kind of what is that saying like some people are there for a reason a season whatever whatever you know that cliche quote and it's hard to in the moment when you're going through that and you're searching for the answer and you're wondering why am I not as close to this person like why is it not working um to realize that but there's oh I think it just always boils down to like the limitations that everybody has whether they're subconscious or like you're you recognize them and you're you acknowledge them and you're working on them and that's not to say that anybody has like it's a flaw but you know there's some people in your life who are going to be there forever because they can adapt with you like I said you and I were able to find it worked and we worked it out you know and we like it wasn't like we had a conflict but we were like okay like uh like this works better great you know and like we're not together all the time so like this is the effort we need to put in to make sure we feel connected and it didn't feel like work Mm -hmm. it just felt like wanting to catch up with your best friend and there's some people who you live in the same state with even after undergrad but like your lives took a different like turn and so it's like you're no longer in the same you know college vibe but you're like working different jobs and it's like different scenes different circles different responsibilities and it's hard to navigate like I had a best friend who when I graduated from undergrad I stayed in you know the DMV area and so did they Mm -hmm. and I thought this is perfect like I'm going to work and they're going to be working but at least I know I have a friend and we saw each other maybe once every four months until I ended up moving home and it wasn't a bad thing like I wasn't mad at them they weren't mad at me but it was like our friendship took a different circle whereas before we would see each other every other day and like in my heart of hearts at the moment I was hurt and I was upset because I was like they're not putting in an effort they know I'm miserable at my job they know I didn't pan out the way I thought it was going to be you know my boyfriend ended up moving midway through and I really needed somebody and when he moved I lived in my building alone like he no longer lived with me um and at the time I was really upset and then I realized 
it wasn't their fault and it wasn't them trying to be malicious but they had different responsibilities and limitations of how they could connect with me emotionally on that level because they'd never been through it and like so everybody like there will be some people who can connect with you even if they haven't been through it because they have that amount of empathy and so it's like not sympathy or compassion it's empathy and like if you have a certain amount of empathy and i think everybody including myself needs to work on getting more empathy and like instilling yourself with it because that's how you relate to people on different levels if they have that empathy they don't have to go through what you're going through to like know that you need somebody or to like care for you and feel for you even if it's minimal and then if they don't have that empathy then it's harder for them so like i was going through this massive change where i was applying to graduate schools i didn't know if i wanted to do a phd i didn't know if i wanted to go to a master's program i didn't know if i wanted to move home after you know my boyfriend ibrahim left i didn't know if i wanted to stay there i didn't know I'd, i had like two friends there i hated my job and like my friend co- couldn't really relate because she'd never gone through it and mm-hmm. that made me feel more alone and more hurt and then it wasn't until i left and like found like centered like centered myself and like was more happy with my situation until I was able to reach back out to her and I never said like I'm not mad at you anymore like I forgive you you know because like I don't think she ever knew so whatever no big deal it was like an internal thing where like I got back to a happier space in my life and I was able to reflect on it like as a third person and a bystander and be like it wasn't her trying to be a bad friend it was just like her not knowing what to say and that's okay Like, not everybody's a therapist, and not everybody has that in them. And so, like, that was something that I had to realize and be like, okay, like, this was her limitation, and I can get through that. But then there are other friends, like, as you said, that it's okay to just let go of. And sometimes those friends give you stress and anxiety, and they, like, are draining so much on your energy, and you need to realize, like, what are you getting out of it? And not in a selfish way, but with yourself, you always have to be somewhat selfish. I'm a very selfless person, like, not to toot my own horn. I put anybody above me ever since I was, like, 10 years old. Everybody, like, I used to be bullied by being called the people pleaser because I wanted to please people. (laughs) So, like, that's just who I am. And I think that, like, is, you know, we'll go into it later why I wanted to get into this field of work. But Mm -hmm. you have to realize that, like, not everybody's worth the drain in your energy. And are they replenishing that energy? And if the answer is no, then you need to make your boundary I when I started um like I know it sounds like I don't know when I started like working on myself um one of the things that I actively started to acknowledge and think about was how I felt after speaking to or hanging out with certain people like how did I feel after that and after seeing them, like, did I feel recharged? Mm-hmm. Did I feel uplifted? Did I feel happy? Did I feel drained? Did I feel anxious? Like, I started making note of that because um, I just I just feel like that's so important to, like, to keep in mind, you know? And yeah. also, um, wait, what was I going to say? Oh, my God. Wait, I just had another thought. Oh, you mentioned um, love languages. And I wish I knew about love languages for like I wish I would have known about them forever but right. I honestly read the I read the book like two years ago I think which is like I mean I was 25 so would have come in handy but it's fine um and I I guess I just want to know like I mean this answer can like go so many ways but why do you think it's so important to 
know about your love languages whether it's in a relationship or friendship like i just feel like it can it can play such a significant mm-hmm. role and i feel like there's so many people that aren't aware of oh, it at so all not aware so it's actually so funny i got into love languages because my friend at graduate school told me like what's your love language because i was telling him richard if you're listening i was telling richard and sabrina um <laughs> love you guys um about a fight i had with ibrahim also love you so don't don't kill me um and I was, like, saying that, like, we just, like, we weren't seeing eye to eye, you know? And he was, like, can you just take this love language quiz for me and so I can just see what you need and, like, whatnot? Like, he's, like, you sound a lot like me. And so I took the quiz and it, like, told me my different, like, I like affirmations, I like words, I like actions, I don't like gifts and, you know, all these things. And everybody has their own different love language. And... At the moment, I thought this was hokey dokey, and I was like, whatever. But then, like, the more I thought about it, and the more I learned about it in class, and like limitations, and I've always believed that everybody has had limitations. Like, the moment I learned in high school and like was able to accept, you know, sometimes it takes me harder to realize in a friendship what the limitation is. But the moment I accepted wholeheartedly that when you join a friendship or a relationship, any kind with somebody, you're accepting their limitations. Mm-hmm. you're not just liking them for what they give you for what you uh, get so along hard, with it's so difficult and the moment I was yeah. able to accept that and recognize that is the moment that I was able to have a lot less pressure on feeling let down yeah because we I have knew, so many expectations right because I knew what I was giving but I learned that the moment I learned that I realized I can't expect people to give what I give and then this love language came in um and really correlated that because not only was it like a romantic way but it was um, in a friendship way, too, I've, I've learned, like, it kind of, like, is parallel, is that, like, what I give is not what the person is giving, going to give back to me. Yeah. And what I give them might not be what they need from me or what their love language mm-hmm. is. So, like, I might be thinking I'm giving them all these support of words and actions and showing them that, like, I'm doing this for them that they didn't even ask. Like, I'm running out of my way to pick them up from here because their car ran out of battery or gas or whatever. Or, like, they're stranded or you know, something happened with their family and I'm, like, showing up at the hospital to make sure they're okay. And, like, they appreciate that, of course, not to say they don't, but that's not necessarily what their love language is. So, like, they might appreciate that, but they might see it as no big deal. Like, NBD, like, she just came, like, she did this, like, great. And to me, that's, like, the ultimate show display of love that I can give. Yeah. And so I think it's so important, not that everybody needs to take this quiz, but that you do a deep dive in your self-reflection of... What makes you feel the most valued and what makes you feel the most heard and what makes you feel the most loved and how you can get to that. And then and I feel like it's it's so important to a that 100 percent and b once you know that about yourself, mm-hmm. then do a little deep dive into the close. Yeah, absolutely. In your life. So like think of what you need and then think of what they need. Are they responding yeah. well to what you need? Like what you're because usually you display what you need. You know, and so some people, if they know about this, they can adapt to that. So like, I am a therapist and I know this about myself. Like, I know I need these things. So I give them off the bat without thinking about it. But since I'm intuitive to this, I'm seeing that you're giving me other signs. Like, let's say you love gifts, like small little gestures. I know that's what you need. I'm seeing that you're doing it a lot for me. I know that that's probably what you want. So I'll, I'll replicate it. You know, I'll do it back and I'll reciprocate. But a lot of people aren't able to realize that, you know? So it's just like a yeah. little gesture, like, oh, great, goes unnoticed. I had to I had to literally sit my mom down, and I love you, mommy, if you're listening. I don't think she is, but she sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes she doesn't know. She tells me she doesn't know how to work the app. She's so oh, cute. I'm going to send um, her this. 
<laughs> Love you, <laughs> Maria. I had to, I had to sit her down one day and tell her like, listen, I my mom is a very touchy mm-hmm. person, and I am a very prickly human. I don't, very I don't like do Maria. touch. That's why we get along so I know, well. I know you are. I know you are. Um, and I like words. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I feel valued. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I and she's not a words mm-hmm. person at all. And so I literally had to tell her one day, like, I need you sometimes Mm -hmm. to tell me, like, that you're proud of Mm -hmm. me or that, you know, I don't know, whatever the fuck, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But that is what I need because, like, that's how I feel appreciated. Yeah. And, you know... Does she do it? <laughs> not really, because it's just not. It's, it's not, not her innate of... to her. It's yeah, hard it's for her to realize. Like even yeah. if you told her, and it's I'm really proud of you for doing that because that's the first step. You and Marie have an amazing relationship, but that's the first step of always mending any fences. Is like yeah. being expressive, and that's what I tell everybody who comes to me who has a problem with a boyfriend, a friend, or like I don't know, a parent, or this. I'm like, have you explicitly, not implicitly, or implied it? express to them what you need or what disappointed you what upset you and a lot of the time they're like no but you could tell and I'm like you have to realize that as much as I want to like be your hype man and say you have a a right to be upset because I think you do but you have to realize that like you can't have you can't just imply you have to spell it out for that person we make so many assumptions like I am the queen of assumptions sometimes where it's like I feel like something is so obvious and I feel like I'm making something so obvious to the other person and they could be fucking clueless like we can't we can't and that's also something that I have to work on is just like you can't you can't believe that everyone can read your mind like you just can't um and I know sometimes and that's the thing like I'm not a confrontational person like mm-hmm. I don't like conflict and I don't like to like upset people with like what I with something that's bothering me or I don't like doing that it makes me uncomfortable I don't like mm-hmm. it but sometimes you have to like put your big girl pants on and like yeah you have to put those big know? girl pants on you have to stand up for yourself and even it's sometimes what I like to tell people it's not conflict or confrontation if you haven't let it gotten to that if you haven't let it get to that point not gotten sorry yeah because it can just be a conversation you can say something that what you need and what you want without it being an issue or without it being yeah. a moment of contention so like yeah if somebody did something to annoy you or even just like wasn't like what you're cool with you could honestly tell them either in that moment or if you like you didn't realize it until later or you just didn't feel comfortable until later be like hey last week this happened um you know in the future this is what I really like you know or this is like this what works better for me like I totally got your point but like yeah that made me feel a little put down or demeaned or like you know condescending or whatever like do you mind you know just telling me like this or even just, like, without having to mention the explicit incident, a lot of the time you can say, like, this is what I respond best to. And then people mm-hmm. get it. And yeah. so I think love languages and, like, communication styles are so intertwined and they're so important to know your own but to know the people who you're so communicating important. with for the good of that relationship. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, relationships are two people, friendship or romantically, um, you know, platonic or not. And it's like you have to know how to be the best friend for yourself and the best friend for somebody else. And that also comes with boundaries. You have to know that like this person might not have your same boundaries, but it's okay to have your boundaries up. And if they're not okay with it, then it's okay to let them go or to let them, you know, flounder until they like learn. 
And you should never compromise. Yeah, you should never compromise your mental health and your like security and your space of being okay because it you're afraid to hurt somebody else. Like I'm not saying be selfish and be an asshole. But no, I know. I totally I'm saying, saying like if somebody is like draining you so much energy and like you might love them, you might have so much fun with them when you're there and you might laugh so much. But if they're not giving you back in that emotional headspace that you need and they're not replenishing that energy in some sort of space, like maybe you're going through a hard time or they're going through a hard time. So you let it slide. But if this is a consistent friendship thing where you realize like you put so much into it and they don't put enough into it or it's just like one sided then it's okay to say, you know, I love this person. They're a great person and we had great times together and I'm still willing to be in their life. I just don't want to be in their life in the way that I've been. Yeah. And it's okay to put them in a different kind of box in your life. Yeah. It's it's hard though because I feel like sometimes people aren't as receptive to things like that mm-hmm. and to changes like that. But at the end of the day that's that's kind of on them like you have uh, totally. to do what's and my answer to that you. is that sometimes people aren't okay with that and like it's okay to not want to deal with them being not okay with that and like you don't want to deal with conflict and so like some things i do which i don't know if it's healthy or not i don't know you know etc like what it is but it works for me is that if i realize this person drains on my energy in this kind of way or has this limitation where they can only talk about themselves or really like, they can connect to me in, like, some sort of way, but, like, it's only really if the spotlight is on them and then sometimes on me, but majority of the time on them. I let them have their moments of, like, needing it, and I know that I'm not going to them for my things because I don't want to be disappointed when they don't have right. my back in the way that I was for them, and I go to the people right, who I know. Right, but then that's not... Yeah, and then, and then and that's where I feel like, A, we have, like... Sometimes I feel like you have friends for certain things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's some friends that, like, you do these things with. Or maybe there's some certain friends that I... Like, th- there's friends... There's certain friends in my life that I know I can go to for, like, certain advice or certain conversations because I know they'll have them with me and they'll hear yeah. me out. And they will, like, not necessarily fix my problems because that's not anyone's responsibility, but they will at least be there with me in the mm-hmm. moment. But then I know I know that I have some friends that I love to death, but when I throw something like that at them, they don't know what to do with right. it. And so then I just end up disappointed and then I end up like, oh, why did I open my heart up to them if, like, they didn't even do mm-hmm. anything with it? And that's not their fault. And then at the end of the day, you just have to know, like, you know, there's... I don't, I don't want to say, like, we use certain people for certain things, but, like... But there's certain people you who connect with you in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And but so, then like, what I was also going to say... Yeah. No, no. Say... To what you're saying is that... I totally feel you and I've done that exactly what you're doing but then that just doesn't become I don't feel like that is like a true mm-hmm. friend like chip yeah I mean it, because like that's so one-sided yeah How is yeah that, like, so there's you know? like I said like there's totally different limitations to it and like like I said I don't know if it's healthy so don't quote me anybody who's listening don't necessarily use this your coping skill I don't know it's just something that has worked for me in some ways like I have cut off a lot of people you know, like, I don't want to name names, I don't want to do anything, but there's certain, yeah, there's certain (laughs) friendships where I've cut off, and I've been, like, it's draining on me, it's taxing, it gives me too much anxiety, it's more work than it is, Mm -hmm. you know, like, fun, or worth it, you know, and then there's other friendships that I've realized, like, I love this person so much, and I know they have such a good heart, and I know they're so great, and we get along in so many other ways, and we have such a fun time together, but they can't be there for me in this certain way 
And so instead of cutting them out and being like, I'm done with them, I'd rather have them in their limited capacity and be the person they need from me and get what I need from somebody else. Yeah, I I feel like we all, well, I have people like that too. And I, I mean, I think it's just, it's just knowing and, and accepting Mm -hmm. and being okay with who they are and what they give you and knowing that what you might need is not going to come from them. And I think that's okay. Yeah, totally. I think it um, just boils down to what you are comfortable with and what you need from a person and just making sure that this person isn't draining you. So shifting gears for a sec, but kind of on the same page. When, when did you realize or what made you realize? I already know the answer to this, but like the people don't know. Okay. When did you realize, um, that you wanted to become a psychologist? I realized so long ago it hurt, like it hurts. Um, I realized in high school, believe it or not, and, like, I know there's some people who are like, I know I wanted to be a doctor from high school, I know I wanted to be a lawyer, I know I wanted to be a vet, and, like, random things, but it's okay to not realize that. I just want to, like, insert that there. Like, there's a lot of people who don't find their Mm -hmm. calling till later on in life, so you don't have to be like me. Um, You know, I know tons of great psychologists and therapists who found out, you know, in their third career on, you know? Yeah. Um, But I realized in high school... One, because I had an eating disorder. I had anorexia nervosa and body distortion, and it was very severe. Sometimes, like in the beginning, it wasn't, but it ended up being very severe. And even though I got through it and, like, I gained the physical weight I needed to gain from it, my mental state was impacted for years to come afterwards. Um, You know, it's... So, like, that's when I realized, because even when I was still ailing from it, and I, like, like to think of it as what I like to compare it to, like, a substance of use disorder. Because although it might be, you know, you're recovered, there's, it's always a slippery slope, you know? Like, yeah. I'm not saying that you can ever diet after you're recovered because I've gone on so many diets afterwards and I've been fine. But, you know, there's certain moments where you realize, like, I've crossed this line and, like, now I'm liking feeling hungry. Like, I'm feeling control again. And then I'm like, wait, this is whack. Like, Natalia, is this normal? And then I have to, like, take a second back. So, like, it's kind of like a slippery slope. But I realized that, like, while I was going through it and I was recovering, I was like, there's so many people I know who are dealing with the same thing, aren't going to a psychologist, don't have help. And, like, because they, you know, sometimes you have an eating disorder without looking like you have an eating disorder. And a lot of people don't realize that or recognize that it's more of a mental disorder than it is a physical outward appearance disorder. And Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to be a pillar of, like, strength and support and understanding for those around me. And then not just that, but, like, with eating disorders, there's tons of comorbid disorders like depression and anxiety. And I had both of those. And I always say, like, that was a blessing and a curse because although it sucked to go through I was able to connect with people in a way and it gave me the sense of empathy and like wanting to understand and now it's a curse because I overthink everything I say and do we'll probably overthink this later make sure I phrased it right you know doesn't matter who I'm with or how comfortable I am with a person but I'm like did I say something wrong in a way that could cause pain to someone and I feel the same but it's because once you've once you've been through an eating disorder you realize how much weight no pun intended um some mm-hmm. words can carry and some like yeah. comments can carry and yeah, totally just things that you don't even realize like why do we congratulate people 
why are we like, oh my god, you look so good, you look so skinny. Right. Like, why is that right. the first thing that people like? Or you know why is like, I would have never look so healthy that you think, oh, that person looks like gained weight, or like I'm not thin, I look healthy. Like, why is right. that like compliment? Right. Yeah. Like kind of like a backhanded compliment, as people say. And so, like, that's why I wanted to go into it because one, primarily that, but then two, I was like, depression goes along with eating disorders, and so does anxiety. And, like, sometimes you pull away from people and you're, like, this terrible version of yourself or just not who you are because you're hurting internally and you don't know how to be complete. And so you reflect out what you're feeling and your insecurities. And so, like, to me, it just, like, feeling those insecurities in a different way because everybody's, like, struggle and journey is unique. I wanted to make sure that I was empathetic and not judgmental to the people I was meeting and crossing paths with. So in high school, if my friends had a fight with another friend, I was always there for them. If my friend had a fight with a parent, I took them into my house, you know, and I would drive them to school or they would sleep over, they would spend the weekend, um, you know, things like that. Like, I just wanted to make sure that everybody felt the kind of love that I needed to get through it. And I wanted to be that kind of love for somebody else and that, like, beacon of hope, even if, like, it didn't feel like hope at the time. And that was something, like, I knew I wanted to be a psychologist, but I didn't know what a psychologist meant. You know, I just thought it meant therapy. And then going to undergrad, I realized to be a psychologist, you have to do tons of research. You have to be published. It's more behind the books and screens. And then I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this because, like, this is what I want to do. Like, you just have to get through it. And then I did it. Like, in my junior and senior year, I was in a research lab for body image disorders, um, for depression. I worked at Hanover after... I finished and I loved it, like, because of the experience, but I realized I hated being behind a screen. And then I talked to my mentors in college. Luckily, I I met a few great people, but I felt lost because everybody in my family went into law. So, like, nobody knew what psychology was, and they didn't really freaking get it until they had to go to therapy with me. So, um, and to get over my eating disorders and my family issues, you know? So it was, like, very hard for me to find my way and be like, what do I want to do? Do I want to be a therapist or do I want to be a psychologist? Because in my head, they were the same thing. But then when I talked to other people, it was like therapist was a downgrade from a psychologist because you didn't get your doctor degree. But then when I, like, looked back and I did the work on, like, reflected on the work I did when I was depressed and I had therapists and when I had an eating disorder, my psychologist got me through my eating disorder, but my therapist got me through my depression and my eating disorder and my anxiety. And so I was like, shit, you can do both without having to go to, you know, get my PhD. Um, So that's what really changed my mind. And then as I started looking into programs, I was either going to go to a mental health program or an MSW. And I interned for a lady in Miami, plug Iris. She's the best. Um, I interned for her and I fucking loved her and I loved her style of work and I loved her patience And I actually met her through my aunt who worked at a school. My aunt was like the superintendent. She was the first female superintendent in Miami. Um, My great aunt. And Iris worked for her as her counselor in the school and her social worker in the school. And then Iris opened her own private practice. So I was like, I kind of want to do what Iris did. Like now Iris works with eating disorders, anxiety, family, you know, issues, et cetera, et cetera, anger management, so many things. And she's great. And I loved her philosophy that it wasn't the problem of the person, but also their surroundings and their life and their life placement. Mm-hmm. And then so I decided to go into my MSW program. And I've learned so much about systematic oppression and racism and microaggressions and like just products of environment 
that like really feed into somebody's mental health. Like it's not a chemical disposition. It's not that one interaction that set you off. It's that that one interaction, you know, symbolized 50 others and et cetera, et cetera. And while some things are a chemical disposition, like are hereditary, other things are not. And so now that's where I am. And that's kind of what brought me to it. And it was like a big winded journey. Um, I could go on for it for hours. But what really gave me my core focus was the fact that I was anorexic. And it was a terrible struggle. And it's something that I will always struggle with, I say, even if I'm recovered. Because I will always have a different kind of body relationship. Even when I have the best body relationship I've had in years. But there will always be this kind of... um like, I don't know, shadow over it, where I have to overcome. And that's what really brought me to it. And like, now I don't really think of it as a shadow, because like, I eat what I want when I want, and I'm okay with it. But like, it's just something I will always be mindful and know that in the future, if something were to feel off, I know why it feels off and like how to interact with it. I have so many things to say to that. And it makes me like emotional, because well, for many reasons, but, like, I just want to say straight up, like, I'm so proud of you because from the, when I met you to now, like, the change is, like, it's, like, a 180, right? It's fucking insane how much you've grown, and, like, I just remember when we first met, you were, like, recovering, um, and, yeah, anyway, I'm just so proud of you and what you're doing and, like, just... I mean, you're going to be a fucking kick-ass psychologist and you already are my second therapist. <laughs> um, but also, I wanted to say that um, my ther- my therapist, she always tells me that um, she feels like a lot of or so many eating disorders come from, like, anxiety disorders. And for me, it's, like, the, the case 100%. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say before I forget is that obviously also I want to say like I I I asked Natalia if she was cool with talking about this like I don't want people to think I just like put you on blast to tell us all these things um but you know two people having been two people that have gone through eating disorders at very different times and very different ways mine is very recent um so it's just it's wild you know it's it's crazy to think about it and I loved because I literally wrote this down so I wouldn't forget it because it does weigh heavy on me and it's still something that I feel like I'm going through is well so many things but I love when you said that when you are either dealing with an incredibly unhealthy relationship with food and exercise or whatever or an eating disorder whatever may be um you're not yourself Mm -hmm. like I tried to pretend like I was myself but I was not myself and it made me I'm not like blaming it entirely but like it made me act in ways that I would not act now it made me do things that I would obviously not do now and something that I am still working on to this day is trying to forgive myself for the people that I hurt when I was in just like a hole mentally emotionally physically um and trying to remind myself like you know I can't go back and fix that I can't take that back I can't take those moments back um and it's 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 just so crazy to think about it in retrospect because for me like I 
I hadn't, I've already, I've talked about this on the podcast, if you guys have listened to those episodes, but, like, I go into it with a little more depth, and I don't want to take away from Natalia in this episode, but, um... No, speak about yourself, that's never taken away from me. No, well, my eating disorder kind of, it's so hard to, like, think about it and -hmm. and verbalize it sometimes, um, and I I think it's so, not funny, I don't think it's funny, but, like, you know how people say recovering? It it Mm -hmm. does sound like you're, like, you're in, like, AA or something, like, I don't know. it's such a weird thing, like, even later, I'm gonna think about, like, did I say what I needed to say? Because it's such a, like, a mental thing, it's hard to put into words. It's, it's a sensitive topic, and also, I love that we're talking about it, and I, that's why I don't, like, yes, of course, it makes me nervous to talk about because it's also very recent for me and I'm still, mm-hmm. like, recovering. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm, I'm not at a... It's so hard to put into words. But basically, I had lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Fuck. Hang on. Um. I just think it's... I just think it's, like... I don't remember what my thought was. It'll come back to me. But I just think that... You know, oh, that's what I was going to say. Okay, so I love that we're talking about this, and I, and that's why I've brought it up before, because even though it is an uncomfortable subject, I want to do anything I can. Oh, yeah, you drink that beer. <laughs> why? Why I want to just... do anything I can to normalize this topic, because it still has such a stigma, and it still has so much weight around it, and it's like, it is so much more common than we think, and I felt so alone when I was going through this mainly because I didn't talk about it with anyone and I didn't look like I had an eating disorder which as Natalia mentioned is one of the most frustrating preconceived notions about eating disorders because people feel like if you don't look like you have one you don't have one and that's not that's not the case and that's why I always say this but like you never know what the hell someone might be going home to like you just have no idea it just is so common and so many people go through this and I just, I don't know. I think, well, I w- was also going to ask you if there are any, which I know there are, but, like, what are, like, the biggest, like, residual effects that you feel years and years and years later? So, I just want to talk about one before I answer that, how, like, this needs to be normalized for sure. Um, Or not needs to be, but, yeah, needs to be. But, like, I want it to be, which is why I've always, ever since high school, even... Like, that was, like, what? I was in high school when I was 18. That was, like, six years ago. Even in high school when I was dealing with an eating disorder. And, funny story, I dealt with an eating disorder when I was 16, 15. So, like, even when I met you, I had been recovered, quote, unquote, by my doctor's standard for, like, four years or three years. Yeah. And I wasn't mentally recovered. Um, And so I just think this needs to be normalized because so many people have a different conception of eating disorder and maybe that's because it takes on so many different like phases and like um I don't know how to like describe it but like so it's like different for everybody it's very unique and like you might not look like you have an eating disorder like you were saying or you might in my case I did at some points and then other points and I'd been recovered for so long I didn't I looked healthy again I looked normal I looked thin but I didn't look too thin I looked curvy but not too curvy you know whatever it is that society has deemed normal but in my head and in my mentality, every time I ate something, I enjoyed it and I loved it because I love food and I've always loved food, which is such a conflicting idea because so many people think you have an eating disorder and you don't love food. I have always yeah. been a foodie. It just doesn't yeah. necessarily mean I wanted to eat it. I love and food even if too, I wanted yeah. to eat it, it doesn't necessarily mean that afterwards I enjoyed eating it, even if I ate, enjoyed it in that moment. So for me, for so many years afterwards, I would eat it 
and I would want to die. Like, I wouldn't vomit it. I wouldn't do anything after years later. But I would just have this guilt where I couldn't move. I couldn't think about anything else. It was all-encompassing. Even if I wasn't working out or doing anything to burn off those calories. Like, it was just the only thing I was thinking about. Like, I literally, it sounds crazy, but I would physically feel like the fat on my body was expanding. Like, I like I would eat this sushi roll with, like, the crunchies on top. And then I would think later, your jeans aren't fitting you. Like, I'm in my jeans and I know that they're starting to fit less. Like, I'm feeling my thighs. Oh my and it yeah. was just, like, these moments where, like, I was recovered. I was eating the food before I would have never ate the food, you know. But I just wasn't whole yet. And, like, now I eat that and I don't feel that way. Sometimes I do feel that way because sometimes I do overeat, you know. Not to say that I never do that. Sometimes I'm, like, a black yeah. hole. Um, but now at least I can recognize what my body does for me and like what is rational and what's not. Um, so I do think it's normalized. I think so many, especially young adolescents and early teens and um, early twenties women feel this way. And, and it's a product of our culture because women are so sexualized and they're so generalized. Like, you're supposed to be curvy, but not too curvy. You're supposed to be thin, but not too thin. You're supposed to have boobs and an ass, but not too big. And if Can't you don't win. have an it's ass, a, it's impossible. then it's okay, it's but as long as you have a flat stomach. But if you're too flat, you're a washboard and blah, 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 blah. And so yeah. many things. And it's just such a, like, opinionated topic that everybody feels that they're entitled to talk about. And I think everybody's entitled to talk about not what we look like, but, like, the effects of what talking about what we look like is. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we need to normalize. Like, we need to not normalize that looking healthy is an insult or that looking, that girl is so thin, like, power to that girl looking thin. Great. But, like, what about the girl who doesn't look so thin? Does she also have a beautiful face? Like, does she also have redeeming qualities? Because that's not what's the sole importance. So, like, why are we continuously placing it on, on that? And a lot of it is the media and a lot of it's social media and a lot of it, you know, came before that too. That's why we wore corsets in the 1800s and the 19, early 1900s, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I just wanted to talk about that for just like a hot second because I think it's something that's so ingrained in our society that is so messed up and that it is just a bunch of males, in my opinion, that's a part of the patriarchy, like imposing on women and then it bleeds through women's society. So women impose it on each other. And it turns yeah. into cross-sectionalities. And I think it's something that we need to really focus on writing and being very conscious of. Because I have an eating disorder and yet I still call, find myself talking about other people. Even though I don't have it right now. Like, I'm recovered. But, like, I still find myself talking about a girl who gained weight. Or a girl who looks so good because she's so thin. And it's something that's, like, that's because society has taught me that that's normal. And, that's like, I have a right to comment on this person's body. And, like, that's what beautiful is. And, like, beautiful doesn't entail that. And it's just, like, something that I've been trying to normalize since I've been struggling with my eating disorder. One, because of selfish benefits, because I didn't want people shit-talking me. But also because I was like, I shouldn't be doing this to others. And so that's something I just wanted to comment on um, really quick. But for things that are triggers to me or things that I've noticed that are long-lasting effects from having an eating disorder now that I've gotten over it, for sure, 100% has been depression and anxiety. I still feel like I have days where I retreat into a black, dark cloud and it is like something has come over me and I'm in my dark space. As like Meredith Grey used to say, like I'm in my dark place um, in Grey's Anatomy, you know, if you get that reference. If you don't, no big deal. But yeah, like those are things that like happen to me and like 
I don't know if it's innately because of who I am or because of my genetics or what or like but I've been long recovered it has been over five years at this point and it is just something to this day I really struggle with and like you know something else that I really wanted to ask you about is just kind of like the whole topic of body image and body dysmorphia and how you know for me that's probably one of the biggest things that I'm struggling with and that I'm dealing with and one one of the biggest um leftovers from my eating disorder is just you know dealing with um bad body image and um not knowing what I see in the mirror and just having a completely distorted view of what I do see in the mirror etc etc and I just know that you know whether somebody has dealt with an eating disorder or not I know that this is a topic that a lot of people have a problem with um Mm -hmm. and so I guess I'd just love to hear your thoughts on just like how you deal with um body dysmorphia and how you deal with like the meanness of your mind and how just controlling it can be and how those thoughts can really really be so damaging you know you're not alone is the first thing I would say you're not alone and you're not only what you think you're seeing in the mirror and a lot of the time you're not even what you're seeing in the mirror because your mind has a way of playing tricks on you and so what you might see in the mirror another person deems beautiful and regardless if you deem it beautiful you're always going to be beautiful and that is something I deal with all the time I buy clothes sometimes even still a size larger than I am just to bring it in so that it's somewhat roomy but not too roomy where I like it doesn't fit but like where if I'm having a day where I'm bloated I can still wear it and even if I'm not really bloated because like let's say I had apple cider vinegar and I've been intermittent fasting and whatever it is you want to say but like I just don't feel like my prime you know it happens and body dysmorphia is a real thing and from what I've learned in school and from what I've learned personally it is probably the hardest thing to overcome because it's no longer a weight thing and it's no longer a feeling complete like you can feel great with your friendships but also feel shitty when you like are trying to go out and then that will keep you from going out you know or doing the things that you want to do and it's so hard to say what I would say to somebody because I think it's so unique and like what I would say to somebody is so different based on like what they explicitly told me but what I would say to somebody is genuinely to cognitively reconstruct your mind and I know that sounds like a big term and it sounds weird um but it's like to doubt yourself so you're looking let's say you're putting on jeans because that's my biggest trigger a jean you know let's say you're putting on a pant I hate a pant like I'll wear a skirt I'll wear a short I'll wear a dress I never wear pants and you want to know why it's because I just feel like my thighs my butt just doesn't work um and so when I put on pants what I've learned and like I'll practice what I preach is what like ask myself why I feel like this is making me look bigger and why I feel worse and then I'll think oh because you ate this or oh because you didn't do this or oh because like you know these are your flaws and then like question that and like talk to yourself the way you would talk to your friend who you think looks fucking amazing and who you would never notice is because you're your harshest critic and apply that turn off the light and walk out the door And, like, even if that means you're not going out but sitting in your damn living room, get comfortable with it. Sit in your living room in those jeans. And, you know, like, 
little steps. Like you don't need to wear something that makes you don't feel that doesn't make you feel nice. I'm all for wearing things that make you feel beautiful. But if it's your own self limiting yourself, then try and challenge yourself in the littlest ways that you can um, and in the ways that make you feel stronger. You know, like, don't try and, like, beat yourself up and be like, I didn't overcome this and, like, I still feel bad. Or, like, maybe you're not ready for that. Or maybe that's not what you need, you know, to sit in your living room in your jeans. You know, it's not for everybody. But just try and push yourself to feel the way that others tell you that you feel or the way that you tell your friend, you know? And so, like, sometimes that means saying 10 words of affirmation in the mirror while you're looking at yourself in the clothes that makes you feel uncomfortable or, like, naked if you're having, you know, and you're feeling body dysmorphic. Say 10 great things. I think a big, I think a big thing also is something that my therapist helped me understand is, like, you know, I feel like when you start to dive into this work or you're trying to, like, better your relationship with yourself, like, you constantly hear, like, you know, you have to love your body and you have to Mm -hmm. love yourself and love your body and you keep hearing these words. And, you know, that's a lot of fucking pressure to put on someone who might, who's, who's, who can't even acknowledge what they see in the mirror and you're telling them they have to love their body. Mm -hmm. Like that's a, that's a big fucking step. And not to say that that's not a goal because that is a beautiful goal to have. But my therapist made me realize that why don't we just work on accepting things? Like, why don't we just work on respect? Like, it doesn't mean you have to love it. It doesn't mean you have to like it. It just means you can respect it. And so two things, like two big things that we implemented in my life basically was like, I started and still do this all the time, but started to rewire and reframe the thoughts that I would have about myself. And just like, it's hard. It's hard. In my mind, it's really hard. But the And then the second big thing is I no longer will say anything bad about myself out loud. Like, I will just mm-hmm. not do that. Like, I can think it because I can't, you know, it's, yeah, you it's a little bit harder thoughts, to, control, yeah. to control your thoughts. But I no longer say anything out loud that is mean because I'm like, why the fuck am I putting this out there? Like, why am I, mm-hmm. why am I just being mean to myself for no, like, no, like, that's not doing anything for myself. It's not doing anything good. It's not adding anything valuable to my life. Um, And I know it's a cliche thing and you said it too, but it's like treat yourself how you would treat your best friend. Yeah. Like wh- it, it, it just, it doesn't. And it, that was so hard for me to understand because I, for so many years have been so mean to myself. Yeah. I like, think we all are like guilty of that in- insane. and victims at the same time of it. Um, and there's something you said that I really wanted to reiterate and I found like really meaningful and just like really insightful, um, that with you and your therapist have talked about, like, how do you, like, we're taught to love ourselves, even though, like, we're told to love ourselves, even though society doesn't teach us to love ourselves, let's be honest. Yeah. But we're told to love ourselves, but how difficult is that when you can't even look at yourself, you know? Exactly. Or accept yourself. And so I love that step of just learning to accept and to recognize because I think that's what comes before learning to love. And it doesn't all come at once and it's very overwhelming. And that's something that I struggled with and still struggle with. Like, I love certain parts of me. Do I love the other parts of me? Like, not all the time, no. But in retrospect, yeah, I want to say I love myself, you know. But if I break down to boiling points... Do I love my cellulite? No. But do I accept it? Yeah. You know, I'm over it at this point, you know. But it's so difficult 
when you're going through it to be like, well, how do I love myself? How do I get there? And there's so many different tactics and there's so many different strategies. So the things that I say that I would give advice to or that I would use on, you know, general templates of like a a client or a patient might not be relatable to everybody listening, you know, because it's very personal. Like me telling you to look at yourself and say 10 positive things, you might be like, well, fuck that. I can say all the positive things and I'm not going to believe it, you know, Mm -hmm. or like sitting in your jeans and just becoming comfortable in the things that you're uncomfortable with. And so I guess like the only real thing I would say is to learn to be uncomfortable with yourself. Yeah. Because you have you're to. never going to be fully comfortable until you're delved through and gotten through those uncomfortable situations. And that is hard work. And it is more taxing and it is more draining than any breakup or any relationship or anything that you'll go through in your life. Because your number one relationship and your hardest relationship will always be with yourself. Whether you have a great self-confidence or you're great at setting boundaries of people or not, you will always have the hardest time making sure that you're happy and that you are a safe space for yourself. We talk so much about making sure others are a safe space for us and taking away our toxic energy from them and protecting ourselves. But a lot of the time, the hardest thing to do is to protect ourselves from ourselves because we are the only ones who are comfortable with talking shit about ourselves. So like you said, you can't control your thoughts, but a great step, and I love that, is to not say it out loud. Don't manifest it. Mm -hmm. Don't give importance to it. Don't give it weight. It was a thought. How many fleeting thoughts do you have? I mean, you know, like, I have so many random thoughts. So, like, it was just one of those, you know? And that's a great way to make sure that it doesn't gain any significance is to not dwell on it. And sometimes I tell myself when I'm dwelling on my body dysmorphia or what I look like or how I feel in the mirror, even if I don't necessarily have body dysmorphia in this moment, but just, like, the fact that, like, I feel so much bigger, or, like, I'm seeing this, like, bonsai come out, or, like, this or that come out that, like, somebody else wouldn't see, is to refocus, like, think of something else, like, what shoes am I wearing, what do I love about this, or, like... It's also, like, I had to, also, I learned this, that for so many years, like, weight loss, and the gym, and my food and all this shit it was like tied to like what I wanted my identity to kind of Mm -hmm. be like it was like where I placed so much value where Mm -hmm. I placed so much importance and I had to I mean it led me nowhere fucking good I learned real quick well actually no it took me years to learn how unhealthy it was (laughs) but um I came to the very crazy realization it's a crazy concept that we are put on this earth to do so many more things than to lose weight and i'm not shading anyone who's trying to lose weight that's not the point of this at all because you know sometimes that's not it's 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 the way it's the way there's a way to do things it's the mentality yeah there's a way to do things in a healthy way like i i not not let them consume your life abroad and i was way overweight I mean, at one point in my life, I was, like, 103 pounds. I, actually, no, that wasn't even my lowest. At one point, I was 87 pounds. And at one point, I was 185 pounds, you know? So, like, I needed to lose weight from 185 pounds because I was unhealthy for my body at that point. And yeah. the other extreme. So, there is a way to lose weight, but it's more of a mental struggle. And, like, it's funny because people sometimes will be like, well, you weren't anorexic then because you would gain so much weight. And I was like, but the mental turmoil and hell I went through 
when I was that overweight, it was like, I wasn't in photos anymore. I don't have any photos on my Instagram anymore. Well, I was hacked. But before then, I started deleting them. And things like that. Like, and like, just little struggles. Like, everybody, even if they don't have an eating disorder, doesn't want to be in a photo if they don't look good. You know, like, and they feel overweight. And then they've lost weight. So, like. And it's, and it's also just, a, yeah, a big. It's a big step. A big thing also is, like, and my therapist had to, like nudge me to like realize this because even after weeks of weeks when I first started seeing her you know I thought I was gonna walk in there and she was magically gonna give me this formula of mm-hmm. how I was going to how she was gonna fix my eating disorder but she was still gonna help me lose weight at the same time like that's what I thought I was going in there for you know and she had to news flash me real quick to make me understand that these two things cannot happen at the same time right now until we like fix all the shit that you damaged along the way, you know? And one thing that she made me realize was in my whole life, no matter when I was at, in my own mind, my fittest or my thinnest or whatever you want to call it, I have never been satisfied. Yeah. Because that's the thing. When you're on this pursuit of, like, thinness, it's never enough. And that's the problem. That's when it becomes unhealthy when, like, no matter where you're at, you always want more. And you always want more. And when you're on that road, it's a fucking dead-end street because you're never going to be happy. And then it, then you realize it's not about the weight. Because no matter what weight you are and what weight you're at, you're never going to be happy. So then that's where you have to realize, like, there are so many more things we have to uncover there because... It's just sometimes you have to realize it's not about the weight. It just isn't because there's so much more other shit there. Yeah, to an eating disorder, there's so much more than just being overweight or just wanting to lose weight. Because a lot of the time, you will keep losing weight and losing weight and losing weight. And you'll only have bones, but you still won't be happy with what you look like. And you still will have fat in your head and all these things. And it's not necessarily because you actually are fat or you need to lose weight, but it's just a mental disorder. There's so many things. And, like, one thing I will tell anybody who is struggling with an eating disorder or just body image because of society and they don't actually have an eating disorder and, you know, everybody has bad days and good days, you know, is you are so much... You are worth so much more than what you look like in the mirror. And you are worth so much more than what your outer appearance is. And that is just one tiny fraction, like, not even one-third of your worth and who you are because mm-hmm. what really matters mm-hmm. is your personality and what you contribute to the world and what's in your heart and that's what people will really see you for and if people aren't seeing you for that and if you're insecure over that which is easier said than done then those people don't deserve what you have within they're not totally. they, those people aren't deserving to get to know the real you past what your exterior is and that was like it's so good hard. fucking it's so hard but it's so hard because like, like I even think that too I'm like yeah. I want to look the best to make my first impression on this person or even if I know this person so mal, like, you know, I want to make sure I look great. It's so hard. It's so well, much just, easier said than done. I have, I totally agree with you. And I, I've said that, I said that in an episode is like, what you look like is just, it's a small part of who you are. It's a small part of who you are. Like, when I think about the people that I adore the most in my life, when I think about why I love them, I don't think about what they look like. When I think about like, people in my life who have made an impact, big or small, or people who are in my life, I literally never in my life have commented on their weight. It yeah, doesn't matter. They I don't could think be about, about anything physical. Pounds, it could be zero pounds. It is not what comes to Nothing mind. Nothing physical. And I think what I tell people is if somebody is comparing you for your weight and if, like, they're talking about you in your head, like, they're like, oh, so-and-so, yeah, she's thin, she's hot, or yeah, she's overweight, they don't fucking know you and they don't deserve to know you and they're no. trash. Yeah. Like, my... 
one of the things that I, I agree with you wholeheartedly and, you know, kind of to wrap up this conversation, one of the things that I am still, well, many things that I'm still working on, but a big thing is like the sense of feeling good enough. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say that word because yeah. what is good enough? Like what's enough, you know? Mm-hmm. But for so long of my life, like I have never let my, I haven't let myself do certain things, many things because I don't feel good enough mm-hmm. for them. And that I think is one of the, also one of the biggest things that is left over from the eating disorder and also one of the ways that I got into the eating Mm -hmm. disorder. And it doesn't help that I'm a fucking anxious human with really bad social anxiety. And, you know, it's, I'm just grateful for my therapist. (laughs) Yeah, aren't we all, man? Aren't we all? (laughs) No, it's true. Being, feeling good enough and feeling enough manifests in so many different ways. Whether it's physical or mental or emotional or intellectual or whatever you want to say. It's always a fear and it's always a big thing. Um, a lot of people, you know, they don't wear a certain thing because they don't feel that their body's good enough. Or they don't feel that they're there yet. It's their goal outfit. You know, have you ever heard of that? Like, I lose 20 pounds and this is what I'm going to wear. And I can't wait to fucking wear it. And that's going to be, like, what I'm going to treat myself. Or even, like, just, like, emotionally. And, like, mentally, when you're, like, I'm not good enough for this person in a relationship or in a friendship. Or, like, I wasn't good enough for this exam or this class or this topic, which is why I didn't do well. Society and just life makes you cast so much doubt on yourself. And it is so difficult to overcome. And it's ingrained within us to always be in competition with ourselves and with others. Yeah. And I think the question is, is, like, when is enough? What is enough, you know? When is enough enough? Like, in regards to are you good enough? Who who decides? When is enough enough? Like, if you're good enough for yourself, then that's all that matters. And I think that's the hardest thing to feel good enough for. And I think that's what so many people don't even realize subconsciously. That when you're asking yourself, am I good enough for this? The only person who can answer that is you. And the only person who will probably say no. I mean, I don't don't know. Unless you're trying to go to Juilliard and you don't know how to play the cello or something like that. Like, the only person... Who will say no is you, most likely. Because if you were to ask me, like, unbiasedly, if I didn't know you, if you're like, do I look good enough in these jeans? Do I look good enough in these pants? Do I, you know, is this, like, do I look good? I would say, yeah. You know, and so you're always going to be your harshest critic. And that's what you need to focus on, is finding yourself, your voice, and your comfortableness. You're never going to be 100% happy in what you look like and in what you do. There's always going to be moments of doubt. But... It's finding that balance where the happiness and the security is enough and outweighs, you know, those doubts you have where you feel you have this doubt, but you're able to talk yourself out of it and feel good afterwards. Yeah. And that's what we all just need to strive to be healthy and strive to be We just need to be nicer to ourselves, man. Like... Be fucking nice yeah. to yourself. It's hard, but like we have to do it, and you have to put the work your in. Your body to be does nice to so much I, for you. And and whether it's your body, your mind, any, be nice to all parts of yourself. Yeah. Like I, I'm not saying I am all the time, and I work on it all the time. But of like, course. I actively work on it all the time because I want to just like be fucking nice to myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So 
I am so grateful for you in general. I'm so Same. grateful that you came on the podcast. I'm so proud of you and everything you're fucking doing. And, you know, you're going to be a bridesmaid at my wedding. Duh. Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> did you hear this part? I did. I can't wait, honey. When are we meeting him? Um, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm anyway, all thank for you. It. Thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, I hope people find something inspiring or something helpful or something that made them smile in this episode I and hope so too. Um, uh, I'm just so grateful that you came on and talked with me for I'm an so hour grateful that you thought that I was um, I don't know inspiring enough or motivational enough kidding? or like enough to have on a podcast and not just your friend talking shit I really hope that my words here you know help touch somebody or just you know hit home with somebody where you're like I can relate to this um and I hope that everybody realizes that everything I said here you know I'm not giving advice I'm not telling you how you should feel or what you should do because everybody has their own personal struggle this is just me and you know I just hope I was able to convey myself in a way that was realistic but also relatable and you know body image is tough relationships are tough and Yeah, we. I mean, we talked on some heavy shit, you know what I mean? We just like, have to be kind to ourselves and find that balance and, you know, just be nicer to ourselves and cut us some slack. It's an everyday thing. The slack it's you an everyday cut your thing. friends for their limitations, cut yourself for your limitations. Amen. Yeah, so. Yes. So much yes. Okay. Right. Love you so much. Love you more. I really quickly wanted to wrap up this episode just by thanking you guys for listening Um, I'm sorry that I threw like two kind of heavier topics at you, um, in a row, but you know, it's just life. It's just life. And, um, I promise I will lighten it up for the next one, but I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I just feel so lucky to know Natalia and to call her one of my best friends and, it's just so fucking cool to see someone grow so much and I'm just super fucking proud of her honestly I always have been and um I'm so grateful that she shared so much in this episode and you know I know these are really very real topics that a lot of us struggle with to some capacity and I hope that um something resonated or hope that something was helpful or hope that you know I don't know. I like I said in this episode, I have I felt so alone in my life dealing with these subjects in the past. And so I want to do anything I can to if anybody is dealing with anything that was mentioned in this episode to some degree, make you feel less alone and make you, you know, truly believe me when I say like I feel you and like my heart is with you and I know this shit's really hard and please know that um you know, if you ever do want to talk or just want someone to listen um, to you talk, my DMs are wide, wide, wide open, and I truly mean that, so, anywho, um, yeah, I just wanted to thank you guys, and yeah, that's it, um, I guess I'll just wrap it up now, and I never know how to end these, but thank you so much for listening, I appreciate it so much, and hope you guys are having a beautiful day or night or whenever you're listening to this okay i'll talk to you guys soon everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about 
But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.